0: Hello everybody, and welcome back to Straight Out of Clawing 2.0 with me, your host, of course, Joseph Dylan Turl. That's Turl, not Tyrrell, not Tyrell, not anything else other than Turl. Anyways, on with the rest of the show. Uh, it's good to be back recording, although this is slightly weird for me because this is me recording on a Thursday morning. Normally I record Wednesday night, and I did attempt to do that last night... And holy shit, it was an absolute fucking disgrace. I, honest to God, you only just feel like you know, you're speaking, but it's just noise coming out of your mouth. Nothing is making sense. That's what happened last night when I tried recording. It was an absolute shit show. I would not put my listeners through that, so we're going to make up for it today. However, I've done something slightly different to what people might have seen over on my Instagram for what the original plan was for this episode. This is still a Q&A episode, but we're using something slightly different, because no offence to anyone who did ask a question on Instagram, and unfortunately there was only like six of you, which was disappointing, to say the least. Normally there's like 15 of you, but whatever. The questions were bloody boring. They were bloody boring questions. And I wanted to test something out here, because I've been obsessed with this thing lately, and to be honest with you, I've had to like spend some time away from it recently, because it was getting a bit too much, and... The things I was putting into this system were a bit too, uh, a bit too, like, you know, I I was probably relying on it too much. And that's ChatGPT, the OpenAI chatbot, which is just absolutely insane. The amount of scripts I'm after writing on this thing, or that I'm after asking this thing to write, I should say. That's what I mean, I just had to take a break, because the scripts were getting a bit too out of hand. And they were, they were good, they were good scripts, don't get me wrong, but I was like, no, I can't rely on this thing anymore, it's just, it's absolutely wrecking my head. But it has taken over the internet recently, ChatGPT, and it's really, really good, you know, I will say. It, it, it has its flaws, I have noticed, but it's interesting. It is quite interesting, it is quite interesting. It's, uh, it's insane, though, to see something have as much knowledge as it does. For the flaws that it has, it does give quite accurate information, it's crazy, and uh, fair fucks to it. So what I've done is, I've taken some categories of my life and I have asked ChatGPT to ask me 10 questions in each of these categories. The categories are as follows. A questions for an aspiring actor. A question for a WWE fan. 10 questions, I should say, I, I should say, apparently I'm Dutch now. 10 questions for a WWE fan. 10 questions for a BJJ white belt. 10 UFC fan questions. And 10 Manchester United questions. So I'm going to go through all of them. Uh, because apparently according to one listener. Who I won't name. <coughs> Boric, <laughs> uh, the last few episodes haven't been uh, long enough. Which you know go fuck yourself. To the person I won't name. <coughs> but uh, yeah I will try and make this a fairly lengthy episode. Um, I-, I will try and hit the hour mark if I can. Uh, you know this won't be a part of the twenty-two forty-two club. <laughs> if you know you know. But uh, we'll try and make this episode as long as we can. It's been a while since I've hit the hour mark. And uh, hopefully we might have Alex back on here soon. Which was the original plan before the Q&A thing. So technically the Q&A on Instagram wasn't the original plan. The original plan was for Alex. But we just couldn't find a time where we could make it happen. So we can do that next week. And it should be a lot of fun. But anyways, let's go through these questions. Ten questions in each of these categories. Starting with the question for an aspiring actor. And wouldn't you just know it... Wouldn't you just know if the ChatGPT decides to refresh itself as I'm about to go into these questions. Absolutely typical. Absolutely typical. But we're back. We're back. It's all good. So, here are 10 questions you can ask an aspiring actor. So, number one. What inspired you to become an actor and how did you get started in the industry? Ooh, good one. A bit of a basic one, but sometimes that's where you need to start with these questions. I think I've spoke about this time and time again, Uh, you know, when obviously I started in pro wrestling... I prided myself on being decent at promos, at the very least, and you know, there's a bit of a weird reputation for some wrestlers to of being bad actors. And listen, some wrestlers are. Let's be honest, but some of them are very good actors. You know, as as we've seen. But I, I always, I always wanted to take up acting lessons, like from a very young age. But you know, it was always something I had a fascination uh, in, you know, in in doing. But I never. I just never knew how to go about it. When I was younger, I just thought that, like, that was something you had to go up to Dublin to do. I didn't think there would be an option to do that in Cork. And I just never really sought it out. Uh, fast forward to 2016, where I started doing the Journalism for the Digital Age course in Kolosh de Stefan Nefer, And I was very, very good friends with one of the actors, uh, who will remain nameless, <laughs> or actresses, I should say. Uh, I was very good friends w- with an actress doing the Acting for Stage and Screen course in that college. And... Uh, it was funny, the actors and the journalists had very similar timetables in terms of like what times the classes were on, so I was travelling with this girl an awful lot, and I got kind of friendly with some of the other actors, and funny enough we had the same course director, a man named John Whitty, and after a while I kind of realised the acting course wasn't for me, but CSN was a, a great experience, and uh, you know, I I did learn a lot from my time there, despite dropping out at the very, very end. But uh, I, I kind of from there I was always like I always knew I wanted to go back to college to do something, and I think during the pandemic, you know, it really put life into perspective, and I just thought, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for the acting course. I had a great conversation with someone about it who convinced me to do it. Uh, they know who they are, and that's kind of where the ball got started, uh, or the ball got rolling, I should say, when, when it comes to uh, how I got in, involved in acting. And obviously, I went on to do the acting for stage and screen course in College to Stefan Nefa, and that, that's where it all began for me. Right, so I don't talk about football an awful lot in here, so that's why I'm going to go to the United question next. So the first question in the Manchester United questions is, what made you become a Manchester United fan? Uh, I can already hear people out there, oh, because you're a fucking glory hunter. <laughs> go fuck yourselves. Uh, but, you know, uh, the honest answer is Roy Keane. Roy Keane was the reason I became a Manchester United fan. Uh, I, You know, it, it's United, it's very similar to wrestling. I can't remember... the the moment I became a Manchester United fan like I've just been a United fan as far back as I can remember but Roy Keane would have been the reason Uh, obviously him being from Cork and he was playing for Ireland and Just how great a captain and leader he was and a great player in general. And I just, you know, I fell in love with Old Trafford and players like David Beckham and Ruud van Nistelrooy, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. You know, later on we'd have Rooney and Ronaldo. And I just, I just love the club so much. We're playing Bar, at the time of recording, we're playing Barcelona today. So, uh, hopefully we can get the win there. Isn't it mad? We haven't scored a goal at the New Camp since 1999. When Oli Gunner Soljah scored that famous winner in the Champions League final, that was the last goal Manchester United scored at the New Camp. But hopefully, by the time this goes out, they'll have scored a few more and beat Barcelona comfortably. So by the time this goes out, everyone will know what have, what what's happened. But yeah, uh, Roy Keane would have been would have been the starting point. But I just I, I mean I'll be at Old Trafford in a couple of weeks, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. It's been a few years now since I was over there. I was supposed to go over last year, but it just uh, just couldn't happen, and I. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait to go back. I've been lucky to have been over there many, many times. And I'm looking forward to going back there in a few weeks for my birthday, which is very exciting. Right, let's go to the WWE question. So, who is your favorite WWE wrestler of all time and why? It would probably have to be Santino Marella. But in all seriousness though, it would probably, not probably, it would definitely be The Undertaker. Now, There are honourable mentions, Kurt Angle obviously is one, Uh, John Cena's up there, The Rock, uh, Sami Zayn. But if I had to pick the undisputed, my undisputed favourite of all time, it would be The Undertaker. I mean, I was talking about this recently with someone. If you gave that character an undead zombie who summons things from, you know, he, he literally can turn light into dark through the power of his hands... He gets controlled by an urn. He talks really slowly. He's got, you know, weird kind of eye makeup on. If you gave that character to anyone else, it would have been lucky to have lasted a year. And here we are, what, 33 years later, and we're still talking about The Undertaker, and he is the most incredible character that company has ever created. And all the credit in the world has to go to Mark Calloway. There's so many other people you could have given that gimmick to, or that character to, and it would not have worked. And for, I think the most impressive thing about The Undertaker, and the reason I think this is what makes him my favourite, and for me, the GOAT, is the fact that every era that WWE had that he was involved in, whether it was that early 90s kind of cartoonish era, into the Attitude Era, into the Ruthless Aggression Era, into, you know, the PG and modern era, The Undertaker was always able to alter his character enough to the point where it stayed relevant. And okay, for the last, what... 10 years of his career, he was doing that kind of part-time WrestleMania thing. But even then, he would cut more promos because we were in more of a reality era of wrestling then where people were very clued in on what was going on in terms of, you know, the backstage, um, what was happening backstage and, and, you know, where where the company and and where the storylines were progressing. Undertaker was able to still portray the, the dead man character but almost bring it to life a bit. But he performed it so well that even with the spooky nonsense... He made you believe it. And that's a a, a big problem with a lot of wrestlers is they play a character and you look at them and you go, that's just that person playing a character. Like, I don't believe that's how that person actually behaves. Like, the thing about The Undertaker and Triple H and Stone Cold, The Rock, John Cena, Hulk Hogan, um, did I say Stone Cold Steve Austin? I think I did. But if not, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, you know, characters like that, they made you believe that's just how they actually were. Like, I've gone on record to say that Becky Lynch's whole The Man character, I was never a big fan of it, because I always just looked at it and thought, she's just playing a character. This doesn't feel authentic. Like, we all know wrestling is a work, but we don't want to see that portrayed on camera. We don't want to look at someone and go, that's just them playing a character. It's like when you watch anything on TV. You want to suspend your disbelief, and you want to believe that's what that person is actually like. And The Undertaker, with the character he was given, to do it for as long as he did... And on top of that, having some of the most amazing matches of all time with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Brock Lesnar, you know, uh, uh, John Cena, um, well, maybe not really John Cena, they only had like three matches, but you know what I mean, Kurt Angle, they had so many, he's had so many amazing matches with so many people, um, CM Punk, another one that was a great match at WrestleMania 29, for me, that's why Taker is my favourite, and as I say, the GOAT. Up next, UFC fan questions. Who is your favourite UFC fighter and why? Are we talking all time or are we talking currently? Currently, I would probably say Volkanovski. And it's not just based off that performance against Islam. I still haven't watched the fight back. I did watch it live. And despite the controversy, I will say my instant feeling coming out of that fight was that Islam had, had won. I felt like, with the way he controlled him on the ground... And because Volkanovski didn't go for and execute any takedowns, I just, I just kind of felt Islam was going to edge it. I, I did, not, I'm not saying he should have. As I said, I haven't watched the full fight, but it's actually great. UFC have put up the full fight on YouTube without the commentary. Or maybe it was BT Sport that did it. It was one of the two. And fair fucks to them because sometimes commentary, not to say that commentators are biased, but sometimes people find it hard to make up their own mind when they're listening to commentary. So, I do need to go back and watch the fight with no commentary on and just watch it and see do I think Volk actually deserved it. But I did think that, uh, I did think he just edged uh, that Islam had just edged him. So, he would, I, I just I think Volkanovsky he carries himself really well. Uh, he, he's not much bigger than I am height-wise, so I think I just relate to that a, a, a lot more, and uh, I just think he always has really good, exciting fights. I'd, I've never seen a boring Alexander Volkanovsky fight, and, you know, that there was no exception last Saturday. It was a great fight against Islam on a great card. That was a fucking hell of a card, UFC two, uh, 284. It was really, really, uh, really, really fun to watch, and it was a great main event, no matter what the result was. Um, But of all time, my favorite UFC fighter would be Michael Bisping. Uh, obviously, Brock is the reason I got into UFC. He's the reason I I started watching it. And Brock, obviously, is he's like the honorable mention there. But Michael Bisping, I it, it, like. Funnily enough, the first fight I ever saw of Michael Bisping's was when he got knocked out by Dan Henderson at UFC One Hundred. That was the first fight I ever saw um, Michael Bisping compete in. But because he was from Manchester and I'm a United fan, I instantly gravitated towards him. Even though Michael Bisping would tell you himself, he doesn't give a fuck about football. But that's just that's just the way my mindset worked uh, back then. And I remember just watching... Every time I would tune into UFC when I first started watching it, I would always hope Michael Bisping was fighting. Because this was before I had any internet or anything. So when I was tuning into UFC cards, I didn't know who was fighting. You know, the, the information button on Sky would tell me at the odd time, but I'd always just tune in to see was Bisping fighting. And I just, I followed his journey right up uh, to when he won the um, UFC middleweight title at UFC 199 against Luke Rockhold. And I won't lie, I cried when Michael Bisping won that title. Because this was during a period where everyone here in Ireland was like, like just having a wank over Conor McGregor. And I was like, nah, Bisping's my guy. I've, I've, I've followed him since... Since day dot of me being a fan in this sport, I followed Michael Bisping, and that was just a a beautiful moment. So, yeah, uh, Michael Bisping would be my all-time favorite UFC fighter, and Alexander Volkanovski would be my current favorite UFC fighter. So, uh, yeah, that's my answer to that one. Right, questions for a BJJ white belt. Why is this so fucking slow? Why does this always go slow when... I needed to do something. Anyways, enough of me getting mad over my shit laptop. Uh, Number one is, how did you get interested in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Well, obviously, I'm a lifelong combat sports fan, big MMA fan, and I did do a level of grappling when I was younger. Uh, Obviously, I trained a bit more in Muay Thai kickboxing, and the last few years, I just... I've had this urge to get back into martial arts, and I contacted a few gyms around um, Cork, Cork City, and it was MMA gyms I was specifically focusing on. And I was talking to my cousin Adam, who I will be going to see uh, Bellator MMA with next week. Me, Adam, and Alex will all be there, so that's going to be exciting. But uh, I was talking to Adam about it, like, yeah, no, I'm looking to, you know... I was thinking of maybe, you know, doing a martial art that I'd never done before, and uh, jiu-jitsu just seems like the obvious one to go for. Uh, obviously, boxing is a great sport as well. I've never actually trained as a boxer, but I just... I've always been fascinated by grappling. And Adam was like, what about T45 Jiu-Jitsu in Balanakura? Like literally like a 10 minute drive, not even a 10 minute drive, like a 7 or 8 minute drive from my house. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah they did follow me on Instagram uh, like two or three years ago. And I always see them posting about stuff and it looks fucking epic. And I, I knew that one or two people who I'd spoken to in the past were training there or had trained there. And Adam was like, he was really bigging it up. He was saying that Eli, his son, my nephew, uh, was training there. And he was saying that like, oh, I like the the, the lads in there are sound and, and, and they run it really well. And I was like, hmm, that could be interesting. And just last year, I just was like, fuck it. Like 2023 is a year I really want to do a lot of things that I've been putting off. And, and you know, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was one of them. And T45 had a beginner's course that they were starting up for the new year. And I reached out to... to uh, the higher-ups in T45, Kieran and Laura, and the main thing that really grabbed my attention was just how welcoming they were and just how warm they were. Like, that was what really, really made me go, Jesus, like, they seem actually excited that I'm interested in starting Jiu-Jitsu. And, like, they are the two most lovely people on the planet. We've got, like, you know, obviously Kieran, black belt in jiu-jitsu. Obviously, you know, he knows what he's fucking talking about. Uh, Laura is a purple belt herself, and she just runs the place really well. You know, we've got uh, Stephen, another purple belt in there, who who, t- who takes some classes. He He's fantastic. Like, there's there's so many, like, talented people to learn from, but they're all really nice people as well. And, like, that's been my main kind of takeaway from it so far. Um and it just makes you look forward to every class. Because it's tough. Like, it's a tough sport. And the techniques are not always easy to learn. But because everyone is so supportive and so helpful and so friendly, you never feel intimidated going in there. You know what I mean? And, and that's a great sign. Because in martial arts, you, you know, you do get that uh, in, in, in certain places. You know, you hear horror stories about other uh, gyms. But T45 Jiu-Jitsu is definitely, um, it, it's definitely something that, it's definitely a place that can take pride in how it's run. It's run brilliantly by great people, and yeah, I've given the most long-winded answer to that, but it, it, it is it is absolutely worth saying. Right, let's go back to the acting questions. So the second one is, how do you prepare for a role, and what is your process for getting into character? Sometimes, I'll be honest, it depends on the role. Uh, you know, When it came to the CSN course, the two roles I was given, it was just repetition. Repetition, 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 repetition. That's a hard word to say like, five times in a row, but anyways, we got there, Uh, and then I would say, like, for the acting lessons I do now, and and any role I'm given there that I have to perform in front of a camera, it's just, you know, it's researching things around that character, like, sometimes you're given the barest of the bare information, and you have to go and, and sort it out, and, you know, like, one thing that I'm completely against, and it's the way I've been trained, is that method acting is is terrible, you should never become a method actor if I have to perform a tough scene where I have to be emotional or angry I don't think about something that's happened in my life, because then, let's say I'm playing a character named John, and John has to get upset and then he has to get angry and my way of thinking about, or of getting John to be upset or angry is by thinking about a memory of Joe or Dylan, like that's, that's then John isn't getting angry, it's Dylan that's getting angry pretending that he's John you know, it just, it doesn't work, and I think that it's very unhealthy. Um, so I just, I, I do the research on the character. I ask myself the questions of, okay, what's this character's background? Like, why is this character doing this? Like, what led to this situation? That's kind of how I do it. But there's ma- there's many different techniques and many different ways of going about it, and every actor is different. Like, there's no two actors that will do everything exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's my, that's my way of preparing for uh, any role as a character. So back to the uh, WWE questions, I think was the way we did it. Yep. What has been your favorite WWE storyline or feud, and why did it stand out to you? There are so many and there are so many obvious ones I could talk about, but the one I will always talk about, and people are sick of hearing me talk about, is the Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville feud at NXT TakeOver, or that led up, I should say, to NXT TakeOver or Evolution, because that's the match and the feud that made me fall back in love with wrestling. I have met both wrestlers and told them that. You obviously listened to me tell Sami Zayn that a few weeks ago when I put that clip of me talking to him uh, on this show. Uh, but yeah, that feud was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant, and it was just... And what was so difficult about that feud was that they were both face. Like, it wasn't the case of it was a face versus a heel. They were both babyface. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, that means they were both good guys. But Adrian Neville did such a good job at being a face, but being a bit of a dick at the same time. But not completely just becoming a heel. He was good at being... A face with heel tendencies, and Sami Zayn is just a lovable underdog, or he was at that stage, you know, obviously. And he's you know he's doing it again now, but obviously he's been heel for the last few years. Um it was just the perfect the perfect matchup for um for both in-ring and you know on-screen storytelling. And it, it culminated with a beautiful match, which was fantastic, so that would be my favourite feud. Of course, there's Undertaker Shawn Michaels and Triple H as well, um, you know, Austin Rock, Austin and Vince. Uh, I think another one I would say, because I grew up with this one, was John Cena and Edge. I think that's, you know, people say John Cena and Randy Orton were the, you know, that was the main feud that John, in John Cena's career. I think John Cena Edge. I do think John Cena and Edge is the uh, is the GOAT John Cena feud. And they had some great matches as well. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, right now, the best feud by far, or storyline, has been the whole Bloodline feud. Roman Reigns. The Usos, Solo Solo Sokoa, Sami Zayn being the honorary Usos, which is culminating this Saturday uh, at Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Like, it's been such a great... And, you know, long-term storytelling in wrestling isn't always easy. But WWE have done a fantastic job with this. And also because this started when Vince was still in charge. And it's continued on into uh, Triple H's reign. And... It never felt like there was any hiccups or bumps on the road with this feud. It's been a brilliantly, perfectly told story. And I say it culminates tomorrow at Elimination Chamber, but really, like, it will just go on into WrestleMania because I have no doubt that Sammy and Kevin Owens will take on the Usos uh, for the tag team titles. And, you know, Roman Reigns obviously will be facing Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Or, you know, Sammy might pull off the upset in Montreal tomorrow, but, you know, you never know. Uh, But, you know, it's just been... I, I, I've said it time and time again. It's the best storyline they've done in years. By far. It has been absolutely fantastic. The whole thing. But my number one. Because it's close to my heart. Is Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville. But again one I've just thought of right now. Uh, CM Punk versus John Cena in 2011. Because I think that was. That was a feud we hadn't seen. Ever really in WWE. Where like they, literally the WWE title itself. Was in jeopardy of not being a part of the company, and there was that thing of CM Punk walking out of the company, you know, not having a, not being in contract anymore, but winning the title in Chicago. That was fantastic. Uh, but I, I'll go Sammy and Adrian Neville because I think that one's just a bit more personal to me. Right, let's go back to the United questions, uh, which is, who is your all-time favourite Manchester United player and why? <sighs> like, it, it's Ronaldo. It is Ronaldo, right? And I know things didn't end... Great for Cristiano Ronaldo's second uh, spell at Manchester United. But Cristiano Ronaldo is, wh- wh- whatever you think about who's the GOAT, Ronaldo or Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo brought something to Manchester United that unless you got to see George Best play, if you were one of the lucky ones who got to experience George Best play for Manchester United live, no Manchester United fan had ever seen what Cristiano Ronaldo went on to do. It was insane. Obviously, what he did at Real Madrid was incredible. 450 goals in 434 games. Like, that's a stupid statistic. How can you be that good? 450 goals in 400... He got more goals than he had appearances for Real Madrid. And he was there for nine years. Like, that's insane. But, you know, obviously, like the whole story of how ronaldo got signed like it is a fairy tale story just how he got signed the whole you know playing a friendly for sporting lisbon against united impressing the team so much that he was signed on the dotted line there and then you know came in as this raw talent who just kept progressing year upon year and went on to become one of the world's most incredible players and i just i i just think it's it's such a shame that people have to get so lost in the whole ronaldo messi debate because they're, they're both phenomenal players. They're both completely different players. And they've both just gone on to do, like, just, I said, just stupid fucking stats. You know what I mean? Like, Messi is probably the most naturally gifted player we've ever seen. Cristiano Ronaldo is the most driven player I think we've ever seen. And yeah, look, he's doing his thing in Saudi Arabia now. And people might give him shit for that. But I think he earned it. Like, it's not like he did this when he was 28. He's doing it at 38. And, you know, clearly he has slowed down a bit and... You know, he he couldn't keep up with the demands of, of the Premier League. So, like, so what if he went to Saudi Arabia and took a big payday? He's fucking earned it. Like, get over it. And Messi might do the same at some stage. And Messi's earned it too. If Messi did it tomorrow, he's earned it. You know? But uh, it, Cristiano Ronaldo w- would be my favourite. I think another one, obviously, I spoke about Roy Keane uh, earlier. Wayne Rooney, of course, as well. But one... Th- there's two men who I have to mention. And they're both Dutch and they were both strikers. Rude van Nistelrooy and Robin van Persie. I know van Persie was only there for three years, but he's probably my favourite signing we've ever made. Just because Sir Alex didn't make marquee signings like that all the time. And for van Persie to come in and do what he did in that 12-13 season, Sir Alex Ferguson's last season, it was just incredible. And the fact that we stopped him from going to Man City as well just added to it. But Rude van Nistelrooy, just an absolute goal machine. You know, again, like four or, excuse me, 150 goals in 200 starts for Manchester United. Incredible numbers, incredible numbers, and, I, like, I'm, lo- like, that's, I, I'm so lucky, and, and I do count myself lucky that I grew up a United fan, I, I really do, I've been able to experience so many amazing moments, and I think, it, I, you know, like, there's obviously this whole thing of, oh, you need to support your local team, no, you don't, no, you don't, you really don't, like, I technically don't really have a local, local team, Like the most, the closest team to me is Cove Ramblers, but I'm not from Cove and I don't give a shit about Cove. And then there's Cork City who I've nothing against, but Cork City fans just kind of irritate me, to be quite honest. I just find them incredibly irritating. But that's not, to be fair, it's not just Cork City fans, I just think a lot of League of Ireland fans, but I experience Cork City fans more because I know a few of them and they just irritate me. But uh, I I, I am really grateful to be a Manchester United fan. And uh, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo just for like for what he brought to the team and as i said like we've never seen someone like we'd never seen someone like that in our lifetime before uh, at manchester united and i don't know if we ever will again so for that reason i would go with cristiano ronaldo uh what question was next Let's just go with the UFC ones, and then we'll go with the BJJ ones, because I honestly can't remember which order I went in. But uh, the next UFC one is, uh, Who? Do, uh, what do you think sets the UFC apart from other combat sports organizations? I just think the fact that you know, UFC's background and history is so much more different, and the fact that MMA is such a young sport, and the fact that you know UFC, which is only 30 years old has gone on to achieve the success it's achieved and the way it's viewed now compared to where it was viewed when it started. And not even when it started, even if you think of 20 years ago, like UFC was still growing and like the way it's become such a mainstream sport, but it still kept some of the traditions that made it so unique and underground back in the day. I think that's what sets it apart from from other combat sports uh, organizations and, you know, There's been many great MMA promotions. You know, Pride, obviously, were around for uh, a while. Uh, Strikeforce. um, You know, Ryzen are there now. Bellator, obviously, I've I've done some uh, good things in the last few years. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting a really obvious one. Uh, I'm definitely forgetting an obvious one, but it'll come back to me later on. Yeah, there's definitely one I'm forgetting there, but whatever, we'll think of it later. But, like, I I think that's just it. And the fact that UFC is such a you know it, it cuz like a lot of people don't want to admit this but like a lot of its origins are in pro wrestling and the fact that it kind of mixes that pro wrestling theatrical uh presentation mixed with the legit shoot combat sport feeling and big fight feel of boxing for example it's the perfect blend of of being a sport and being a spectacle at the same time and i just think a lot of other places like bellator do a really really good job and they are a solid second best promotion but ufc is just the way the company has grown in its 30-year history is 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 insane. And, and that's, for me, what separates it from, from everything else. Right. Uh, the next question in the BJJ uh, questions is, what do you hope to achieve with your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training? I just think it's a great confidence booster. Uh, I'm someone who's passionate about martial arts and passionate about combat sports. And I just want to keep improving. And I think that, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is such a rewarding sport in terms of, you know, getting stripes on the belt or moving up a, a, a belt. And just the the sense of community and the fact that like you can grapple with people who you consider friends and like nothing's taken personally and it's you just learn so much from people like it's it's just fantastic so that's what I hope to achieve I hope to compete um you know in, in a few tournaments hopefully that will be something I can do uh obviously it keeps me fit as well and it's just I think there's something I can take from brazilian jiu-jitsu that I can bring into a lot of other aspects of my life as well uh, be it self defense, um, or you know, just yeah, I think just the overall confidence, and I think it's like it's. I think every type of combat sport has the ability to keep you humble, and you know the it it doesn't. Uh, I think it's easy for people to you know become. It's easier for people to become arrogant in in life in general, but I think being in a combat sport always, it keeps the most arrogant of people at their most humble. In in my in my humble opinion. Right, I've just seen that we are already half an hour in, so I need to try and fly through the questions. But I don't want to, like... I don't want to, you know, skip over them. But I'll I'll try and answer them... I'll try and answer them in, you know, three minutes or less, let's just say. So, with the acting questions. uh, Next one. What kind of roles are you most interested in playing and why? I tend to go for more comedic roles. I just think it suits my personality a lot more. But with that said, like, the two characters I played in my first two theatre shows were both very sarcastic characters. Who were a bit vulgar... But had kind of a funny side to them, uh, as as well as a nasty side, which I kind of enjoyed playing because I felt like it was very pro wrestling esque. But I would like to try and play a few more serious characters uh, from time to time because I just think it would be, I just think it would be more interesting to, uh, you know, I, I feel like it would be a completely different approach to the characters I've approached b- before, where there's not as much comedic timing or there's not as much you know, sarcasm, where it's just a serious, straight, fucking, angry, not angry, uh, straight, fucking, serious man with bad intentions and and just to see how it goes. But we'll see. Uh, I, I do tend to go more for the comedic roles, but I would love to try a role like that as well. Uh, up next in the WWE questions, similar, similar to the UFC questions, what do you think makes WWE different from other wrestling promotions? Again, it just goes back to that presentation. I think that, You know, let's use uh, WWE and let's use, I don't know, let's use, um, here's the thing, right? I'm a huge amateur wrestling fan. Amateur wrestling is the wrestling you'd see in the Olympics for anyone who gets the two confused. But let's say you were, let's say you're channel surfing, right? And on one channel, you have amateur wrestling, which is, you know, it's two athletes in singlets and they've got the helmets on and they're grappling and it's a fantastic sport and it's really competitive and it's great, but let's just say that the casual viewer is, is surfing through channels and they see amateur wrestling on the TV and there's no real big presentation. There's, you, you get the scores in the corner, you get the two names of the of the wrestlers and they're just having a grappling match. And you're like, okay, this is, this is cool, but to a casual viewer, it probably doesn't stand out a lot. And then let's say you switch over the channel and Monday Night Raw, WWE Monday Night Raw is on. And you see this huge arena, packed out, ten, fifteen thousand 15000 people, screaming, bringing signs, wearing merch, they've got replica belts, and there's pyrotechnics going off on the stage. And then you see these two larger-than-life characters coming out, and they tell this very, you know, athletic and incredible story with, you know, cutting promos on each other, and they've got these crazy names, and they're wearing these crazy attires, and... The, the commentators are, are, you know, there's one good commentator and there's one bad commentator. It's, 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 like, there's one good guy commentator and there's one bad guy commentator. And then you see a tag team match. It's like, oh my god, there's four of them and you know, two of them are teaming up against another two. And then you see a triple threat or then you see a cage match or, you know, a, a notice qualification match. That's what sets res- pro wrestling apart from shoot wrestling, amateur wrestling. And yeah, you know, with other promotions, I mean AEW are doing their thing and they're doing really well at it. But like I suppose from other independent promotions, it's just that production value that WWE has, and it's just the fact that it's become—I don't want to say a monopoly because I feel like you know it's always—I think in combat sports it's always good to have that number one promotion to go for. But the, the the fact that WWE has become like when people think of wrestling, WWE is the first thing they think of. Just like with MMA, the first thing you think of is UFC. To the point where people think that's the name of the whole. Sport, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing of is pro wrestling a sport or not now, but that's what sets WWE apart. It's just that no other wrestling promotion can compare to it. Like, even AEW have an impressive uh, production setup, still pales in comparison to WWE's. It just does. Simple as that, right? Uh, that's the WWE question. Let's go on to the UFC question. What, uh, what has been the most exciting UFC fight you have ever seen and why? I You know, I've already mentioned him once here. Alexander Volkanovsky, his fight with Brian Ortega back at UFC 266, I think it was, in 2021. That fight was absolutely insane. And for the sake of time, you should all go check that out. It's a title fight as well. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And I think it shows you a lot of what Mixed Martial Arts is all about. Because I don't want to be here. I want to make this episode long, but I don't want to be here all day, all night. Uh, next BJJ question. How often do you train, and do you have a regular training schedule? Three times a week I train. Now, for the last two weeks, it's been two times a week, and next week it'll also be twice a week. But uh, other, like my normal schedule is three times a week, uh, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And I like I like that consistency. I like the fact that that it's on so much during the week, and that there's options to go to other classes as well. I just think that it's um. It's good for the mind, I think if I have a shitty day at work or if I have a shitty day just in general, uh, going to a BJJ class always makes me feel ten times... It's always the best time of week, no matter what. My Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes are my favourite time of week and the best time of week. So, yeah, let's go back to the acting questions. God, we're making good time here. We actually are making good time. I hope Porig is happy, because you can blame him for this episode being 58 hours long. Uh, question four: How do you deal with rejection and the ups and downs of the industry in acting? Uh, like, listen, yeah, it's 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 part of the business. Uh, there's I've done auditions that have not gone as far as I would have liked them to. I've sent uh, you know, self tapes over, which have gotten no response, and it's just that mentality of look. Let's just keep plugging away. Like, this is something I want to do. And, you know, I'm going to keep improving. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep training. And it's just to not take every rejection personally and realise that the best actors in the world have all been rejected from things or told they're not good enough. And to not let it bog you down too much. And, you know, if you if you love something enough, you'll, you'll keep plugging away at it. And that's what I do with... Uh, that's what I do with acting. Right. Uh, I... Have a feeling that I skipped Man United question. I think yes, I did. I did skip a United question. Uh, what is your so we'll do two United questions? What is your favourite Manchester United moment or match? Uh, the, my favourite moment is when I don't know if it's my favourite match. My favourite moment is when we won the nineteenth league title in twenty eleven because Sir Alex Ferguson had then achieved what he set out to achieve when he first took over in 1986. And that was to knock Liverpool off their fucking perch. And we became the most successful team in English league history by winning the 19th league title. Drew one all with Blackburn at Ewood Park. Wayne Rooney with a 76th or 72nd minute penalty to equalise in a game that ended one all. Beautiful moment. Uh, One of my favourite memories in general and probably my favourite Manchester United moment. Ever, to be honest. The 20th league title was great, but knocking Liverpool off their perch was just a a thing of beauty. And the next one is, how do you think Manchester United has performed in recent seasons compared to their historical success? Obviously, it's not been great the last few years. We haven't won a trophy since 2017, but I believe in Eric Ten Hag. I believe in the... I believe in what he's set out. I mean, he has a bare fucking squad and he's still... Like, the fact that we're third after 23 games considering the start we had to the season, with a bare-ass squad, and that we're in the Europa League round of 32 against Barcelona, we're in the League Cup final, and we're in the fifth round of the FA Cup, like, we technically still have a chance at winning every trophy. We won't win every trophy, but we still technically have a chance. That's incredible. And I'm staying quiet for now, because with the bare squad and the injuries that we've had, it could go wrong. But so far, so good. Right, I have completely lost track of where I was with the other questions. Uh, I believe... I believe I was... You know what? Let me just... Let me just pick out the most interesting questions now from the, for the rest of them. Because I've I've completely... I'm not going to lie, I've completely lost track of where I was. Chat GPT, sometimes, like... People will say, oh, would you not just read them in order, like, of how they're listed. Yeah, the list keeps changing. They keep going up and down. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to... I'm going to stay on acting for now. And I'm going to answer three of the questions here that I think are the most interesting. And I'll do it for the rest of them then uh, as, as we as we go up and down. Uh, yeah, that just makes the most sense. Listen, lads, I've had a nightmare trying to record this podcast this week. I've, I've said it a million times. We are on the streak of the fact that we have not missed a Friday episode since the relaunch of this podcast. And I am not having that start now. So let's do this. So... Uh, What are your goals as an actor, both short-term and long-term? Short-term, it's to work as much as possible, learn as much as possible, and experience as much as possible. Long-term, it would be to make a full-time living out of acting. Simple as that, really. The next best interesting question here is... What advice would you give to someone who is just starting out in the industry? Here's the biggest bit of advice I can give uh, an aspiring actor or someone who wants to start training in acting. You don't learn about becoming a good actor by watching loads of TVs and loads of uh, movies. Did I just say watching loads of TVs? Watching loads of TV programs and loads of movies. You learn how to become a good actor by watching how people act in real life or how people behave in real life. That's how you become a good actor. And that's how you learn about how to approach a role. It's not by turning on Braveheart and seeing how Mel Gibson performs as William Wallace, as amazing as it is. It's about thinking about real life situations and how you would act if what the role you're in and the scene you're in, what would ha- what would I, how would I behave or how would this character behave if this was to really happen? And if I was really in this moment right now, that's the biggest bit of advice. And... Uh who are your sorry who are some of your biggest acting influences and what have you learned from them Uh obviously a lot of my favorite wrestlers went on to be actors like without people like the Rock or John Cena or Batista I probably never would have looked towards that line of work um so I would I would say a lot of that I think Mads Mikkelsen is another one uh Jim Carrey Jim Carrey however you want to say it he's a huge like I mean Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a beautiful Movie. I remember watch, I watched that movie over Christmas, and I was just going, if I could be in a movie that's already been made, it would be that one. Like, that's just... As an actor, I just think that type of storytelling gets so much more appreciated when you know what goes into it. Um. So he was definitely a big influence. I feel like I'm forgetting So You know what? Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan would be a big influence as well. Jack Black. You know, just great comedic actors who were... Uh, I just really enjoyed growing up watching. Like, there's not really actors who I look at and think, oh, I want to act like them. I just, you know, I love actors who bring me joy and entertainment. It's as simple as that, really. So those would be some of my favourite actors. Right, we'll go back to Manchester United. Uh, so, okay, it says here, what are your thoughts on the current Manchester United manager, uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer? Obviously, this is a little bit out of date, but we'll replace that with Eric Tan Hag. I am so happy with Eric Ten Hag. You know, I was I was just talking about it there. The miracles he has worked so far this season are nothing short of phenomenal. And he deserves so much credit whether you're a United fan or not. You don't have to like us, but we've seen so many managers struggle with better teams, better squads in recent years. And Eric Ten Hag has brought in some very good players, but even with the bare squad that he has he's just it's just been brilliant. And again there's still a good chunk of the season to go, but no matter what happens that man deserves all the time in the world to put his input on this team, which I feel like he already has in a certain way, but he needs to keep being backed and keep being given those um you know keep, just back back him in the window in the transfer window lads, whoever the new owners are when that may happen, they need to back Eric ten Hag and I do believe he can be the man to bring Manchester United back to the top of English and European football. I I really do well and truly believe that. Right, the other question I will oh, two questions. Uh, who do you consider to be Manchester United's biggest rival and why? I don't even think this is a debate. Some people will debate this, but I I it's Liverpool. Like I know some people who are from Manchester who say City is the bigger game, and I suppose yeah. If if I was from Manchester and maybe if I knew City fans, I understand why someone who lives in Manchester would say that but uh, for me it's Liverpool especially you know growing up in Ireland you're like nine nine times out of ten a football fan's gonna be either a Manchester United or Liverpool fan of course there's Arsenal fans Chelsea fans Spurs fans I know Villa fans I know Wolves fans I know Derby fans But, like, the majority of people here support United and Liverpool, and they are the two most supported teams in England, the two biggest teams in England, and no matter where the two teams are positioned in the table, like, that's always the game. Like, we're playing Liverpool at Anfield on the 5th of March, and even though Liverpool aren't having a great season, and we're doing a lot better than they are, thank God, that's still just the game I will always look at, is United against Liverpool. It's the game I'll always look for when they release the fixtures, when are we playing Liverpool? it's it's for me the most exciting game of the premier league calendar and i i do consider consider them to be our biggest rivals and the last question i will answer in terms of united is if you could sign any player in the world for manchester united who would it be and why one player in the world realistically i would love to sign vlahovic from juventus brilliant striker we're crying out for someone like him with his creativity and, you know, he, he, he can be a target man. He's very Van Persie-esque. Um, I, I think Ten Hag would enjoy working with him. I think Ten Hag would be able to develop him even more as a striker. I think he would complement the way the team wants to play. I would love to sign Vlahovic from Juventus. And they're obviously going through their own shit at the moment, Juventus, so they'll need some money so we could get him on the cheap. Just saying. Just saying. He, he would be someone that I would love to sign. Right, the three UFC questions I will answer are uh, who do you think is the most underrated fighter in the UFC right now? Very good question. The most underrated fighter in the UFC right now I would say is probably Arnold Allen. I think that uh, people do realize that he's good but I genuinely think he could be a world champion one day. Uh, he only did an interview with uh, Ariel Ariel Helwani, um the other day and like I think a big reason why he doesn't probably get as much recognition as someone like Paddy Pimlet would who's another great UK fighter is just because Arnold Allen as funny as he is on Twitter he's a bit quieter when you actually talk to him but I do I genuinely do think he could be the next British UFC champion Uh, but I, I don't feel like he gets talked about an awful lot uh, how do you feel about the recent trend of UFC fighters crossing over to combat sports like boxing or wrestling? And how do you feel about the celebrity boxing matches that have been happening recently? Uh, in terms of uh, people going over to from the UFC to boxing and wrestling, I mean, pro wrestling and MMA have always had a huge crossover um, appeal to, to each other anyway. Brock Lesnar, Ken Shamrock, Ronda Rousey, CM Punk, uh, you know... Um, God, I feel like I'm... Again, I'm forgetting someone really obvious. Um, I feel like... So. Matt Riddle, obviously. I'm thinking a lot of... Uh, modern people. I'm trying to think of people like way back in the day. Like, I mean, Jushin Thunder Liger had an MMA... F- two MMA fights, I think. Minoru Suzuki, obviously. One of the pioneers of Japanese MMA. Um, I'm definitely forgetting someone else. Incredibly obvious. And I'm going to kick myself that I'm not thinking of. And it. it's very early, lads. Right? I'm not as tired as I was last night. But it's still early. Oh my God, who the fuck am I forgetting? It'll come back to me later, but there's been so many. Bobby Lashley, obviously, has done it as well. Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, there's so many modern wrestlers who have done MMA. Damien Priest has had MMA fights. I think they were amateur fights, but I didn't even know that until recently, which is pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, big guy as well. But, um, Yeah. Like, th- there's been so many crossovers between pro wrestling and-, and MMA, so I wouldn't say that's a recent thing. Boxing, I think it's good that, you know, a lot of UFC uh, former UFC fighters are transitioning over to a sport where they can still make a lot of money and keep that competitive nature that they have. Um, I think that's great. In terms of celebrity boxing matches, I mean, fair fucks to all the people doing it. Um, you know, Logan Paul, obviously, uh, did it with KSI, and that was very successful, and the two of them are doing amazing things now. Uh, Jake Paul will be fighting Tommy Fury in a few weeks, and he- he's, you know... He's proven himself against a lot of, you know, people say washed up MMA fighters. But still, you know, I I still think credit is due for stepping in there and and doing as well as he's done. But Tommy Fury will be interesting because he's someone who actually is a boxer. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's great for boxing. I think it's great for the people involved in it. And I think it opens up more doors for people in that industry. And I think, was that... Two or three questions. That was two questions. Uh, we'll answer one more. What uh, What has been the most disappointing UFC event or fighter you've ever witnessed, and why? CM Punk. Enough said. Right. Let's move on up to the three uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu questions. The last three that we'll answer. Uh, okay. Let's see. Do 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 Have you had any injuries or setbacks in your training? How did you overcome them? Not yet, thank God. I did. Hurt my knee recently in terms of, like, you know, I didn't injure it, but my knee was quite sore for a few days recently, but it feels fine now. My back, all right, took a bit of a beating, all right, after one session, uh, but that was just because I landed awkwardly at one stage, um, and it was sore for a few days, but, again, it's all healed up now. So, thankfully, I've stayed quite injury-free so far. Uh, Let's see here. uh, What do you think are the most important principles or concepts to understand in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Really, it's just about, you know, you do have to remember, just like in any combat sport, as cool as it is to do advanced techniques, it's important to remember the basics. And that's what I love about the way we're trained in T45. We learn from a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And the way Kieran teaches the classes are, like, he, he teaches techniques that he uses as a black belt, but they're still kind of, they're basic techniques, but they're mixed with a little bit of advanced um with an advanced touch in them, which I think is great because he said that he could just, he's like, I could just teach you the basics, but then, you know, eventually you'll think you're good at jujitsu. You'll come up against someone with a bit more experience and you'll be like, what the fuck? How come none of those worked? So the way he teaches his classes are very clever. And I really like that. So for me, that's, that's it. It's remembering the basics. And, you know, as, as as the more advanced stuff you learn that like great, but uh, never forget the starting point. That's what I would say there. Uh, And I think that was, was that one or I can't even remember if that was one or two questions. This this recording hasn't been perfect either. You know, last night's one was a disaster, but this one hasn't been perfect either. But trust me, lads, what you're getting right now is a million times better than what you nearly got. So count yourselves lucky. Uh, I'll answer one more BJJ question, uh, which is... I had it here a second ago. Where's it gone? Oh, yes. Have you competed in any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments? If so, what was your experience like? Not yet. Not yet. But I will. And I can't bloody wait. I do want to get a few more months training in. You know, T- T45, we're lucky that we get a lot of seminars uh, that are organized by the guys there, which is great. So I want to uh, attend a few seminars. And then I feel like I'll be ready to compete in a tournament. May not go my way, but fuck it. Um, we'll-, we'll give it a shot and... I don't want to just be... uh, I don't just want it to be a one and done. I want to do it... uh, I want to do it as regularly as possible. And we'll see where we get to. We'll see where we get to. And fuck it, I'll answer one more question because... um, I feel like I did forget. I think that was only two questions. Let's get a third. Uh, What is your ultimate goal in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I would say it's to... Right now, it's just to get at least one stripe on my belt. That's the short-term goal. And eventually, yeah, it's just to keep moving up the ranks. You know, maybe one day, maybe become a black belt. But that's obviously many, many years down the line. Uh, Yeah, it would just... It would be... I I think purple belt is like... That's the long-term goal right now. Because I think black belt is just... It takes a long-ass fucking time. A long-ass time. Not to say that purple belt doesn't, but purple belt i think is the one that like it'll keep it's it's a it's a long term goal that has i can see it relatively or i can see it happening in the relatively near future in terms of you know in terms of how you progress in combat sports so that would be the the long term goal would be to reach would be to reach purple belt and uh yeah hope, hopefully one day we get there And we'll end with three WWE questions because why not? Have you ever met any WWE superstars in person? And if so, who and what was the experience like? I have met many, many wrestlers, too many to name. But I can safely say that I have never had a bad experience meeting someone who works for WWE. They've all been really cool people. Uh, you know, in recent times, it's been Seamus. Obviously, I met Kurt Angle last year. Uh, I've met Sami Zayn. I met Kofi Kingston. I met Xavier Woods. I met the two of them together. Like, I have never had a bad interaction with anybody from WWE. And uh, I think it's it. it that's, really, that's really cool to see because they say never meet your heroes. But anyone who I've met in WWE has been an absolute sweetheart. And uh, it's been... It's been... I, I'm I'm really privileged to have met the people that I've met. And uh, hopefully, might get to meet a few more as time goes on. Uh, what else? What else would I... Or what else will I answer here? Or will I answer here? What else will I answer here? English is not my first language, apparently. Uh, how do you stay up to date with the latest WWE news and rumors? I stay away from the dirt sheets these days. I feel like it can make wrestling fans very bitter. I feel like it makes you not enjoy the product as much. You know, within reason. Not to say that I don't watch news videos about wrestling and whatnot. Obviously, I do. But I don't read a lot of the rumours. I, I just I just watch the show. Or if I can't watch the show live, I'll watch the highlights. I think sometimes just watching it and making up your own mind about it and, you know, seeing the the, the rumours and news in passing, I think you just enjoy the product so much more. Especially now with the social media uh, presence in wrestling. I think it's, you know, it, it's best to sometimes stay away from that stuff and just watch Just watch the product and enjoy it for what it is. And the last question that I will answer, as I nearly lose my voice, is how has WWE influenced or impacted your life as a fan? I literally cannot express enough how... I can't imagine wrestling not being in my life. I can't imagine any of these things not being in my life, but there's just something about wrestling where it's like, I feel like if I... If wrestling ceased to exist tomorrow... I think a part of me would cease to exist as well. Like it's been so it's been so important to my life, it's been so huge and it's been so uh it's given me just so many amazing memories. Like I was only thinking about I was literally yesterday I was thinking about this. I was just lying in my bed and I was thinking about when me and Alex went over to clash at the castle in Cardiff back in late August early September last year and just I I just remember like reminiscing and what a great fucking week it was. And, like, I remember, like, just interacting with so many different fans that weekend, and it was just, it really, really put into perspective, like, you know, that this this shit is just meant to be fun. Like, wrestling's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be enjoyed, and I just wish more people realised that. You get a lot of fans who, I wonder why they even are still fans, because they do nothing but complain. You get the people who, you know, shit on people who like wrestling for whatever reason. Um, But, like, I just... I think that weekend... That week... I keep saying weekend. That whole week, because we were in Cardiff for, like, five days. That whole week just showed, like, what wrestling is all about and how exciting... um, How exciting it can be. And, like, Cardiff is one of my favourite cities anyway. Obviously, I'm half Welsh, so... I love going over there. Uh, I think it's a very underrated city. But... I just, like, honest to God, like, I I just, like, WWE literally took over the city. Like, every street corner you went to, there was WWE posters and signs everywhere. And we got to see some of the wrestlers walking around Cardiff as well, which was great. And it was just, it was such a surreal experience you know, as a pro wrestling referee, getting to meet Charles Robinson in Cardiff, you know, one of the greatest wrestling referees of all time. That was just a hell of an experience. Um, I can't imagine my life without pro wrestling, and in particular WWE, because they are my favorite promotion. They're the biggest promotion, and they're my favorite. I, you know, I have a lot of respect and time for other promotions, but there ain't nothing like WWE. And speaking of WWE, Elimination Chamber is taking place tomorrow in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, in the Centre Bell should be exciting and uh, last week on raw there was an epic promo between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn which just went to show how great and empowering wrestling promos can be when they're done right and what a great story they can tell and that will be the wrestling promo I play at the end of straight out of this week thank you all so much for tuning in hope you enjoyed and i'll talk to you all next time i'm getting news that something Im- important wow. is wow. happening in the arena so we're going to have to yeah. cut this these.
1: Look, I'm not here to hold up the show. But there's something I need to say, and there's someone I need to say it to. And I'm not sure I'm going to have the chance after this Saturday at Elimination Chamber in Montreal. So, Cody Rhodes. I know you're back there, buddy. If you'll please indulge me and come on out to this ring right now. 2023 Royal Rumble match the American nightmare Cody Rhodes has already punched his ticket to the showcase of the Immortals but the question remains who will Cody challenge for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship as of right now it's Roman Reigns as of this coming Saturday night it could be Sami Zayn Sammy, welcome to Raw, what do you want to talk about? You know, Cody, last week on Raw, you had this verbal exchange with Paul Heyman, and it set the world on fire. Everyone was talking about it, and with good reason. There was a lot to unpack there, but there was one thing that you said that has been replaying in my mind over and over and over. And I can't stop thinking about it. And it is when you said that it is looking more and more every day, like it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. (laughs) So I came all this way, Cody. I came all this way to look you dead in your eyes. And I want to hear it straight out of your mouth. You tell me face to face, you tell me man to man right now. Is that just lip service? Or do you actually believe that I can beat Roman Reigns? Sammy, my bandwidth is really dedicated to what I've been saying, winning the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship at WrestleMania. So I don't have a lot left over to BS you. When I said that I think you can beat Roman Reigns, that you will beat Roman Reigns, I meant it. When I said that you could be, and most likely would be, My opponent at WrestleMania, I believed it. (laughs) But I respectfully respectfully. I don't think that's what this is about here. Does it really matter what I believe? I think what matters is what do you believe? Do you Sami Zayn believe that you can defeat Roman Reigns? You want the truth? Cody, 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 the truth is, Cody, I don't know. Okay, I don't know, because you haven't seen what I've seen, okay? I have been in the trenches with the bloodline. I have stood shoulder to shoulder with Roman Reigns for over nine months. I have, I have been in the dugout with them, making game plans. I've seen it, I've seen it, they, they always find a way. Cody, they always, they always find a way. And this thing about him being in God mode, it's, it's not just a catchphrase. He actually is as good as he says he is. He actually is operating on a level higher than he's ever operated on before. And I have seen it, I have seen guys bigger than me. I've seen guys stronger than me, walk into matches with Roman Reigns full of conviction, fully believing in their hearts that they were gonna be the ones to take down Roman Reigns and every single one of them went down. Every single one. So now, I'm supposed to believe that after all this time, after almost 900 days, that Sami Zayn is gonna be the one to take down Roman Reigns? (laughs) Look, if you're asking me, if you're asking me if I believe I am capable of beating Roman Reigns, yes, yes, I believe that. If you are asking me if I think I'm capable of becoming the undisputed universal champion, yes, I believe that. If you're asking me if I think I am worthy of being WrestleMania main event material, yes, I believe that. I have to believe that. I have to believe that with every fiber of my being. Because if I don't believe that, no one else will, Cody, okay? But if you're asking me if I actually think that I'm gonna be the one walking out of Montreal as the new undisputed universal champion. I don't know. Okay, Cody, I don't know. So, you don't know? That's what you're saying to me, you don't know? It seems like everybody here knows. It seems like your hometown of Montreal where they watched you as an upstart wrestler and they're gonna be chanting your name. It seems like they know. I haven't been where you've been. I haven't watched Roman Reigns up close, but I have watched him from the sidelines. I've watched him from when he became champion to now. And you're right, everybody has fallen. But here's the other thing. There's dissension in the bloodline for the first time ever in his bloodline. And that's because of you. There's cracks in the armor, holes in the scales, and that's because of you, the idea. That the greatest champion of our generation could possibly be dethroned. Becoming a reality is because of you. This awesome moment in time that we're all here for is because of you. You want to say that Roman Reigns is God mode? We'll put it on a t-shirt print it. It looks real good there. But Roman Reigns is a man, Sammy. You crack him open at the Elimination Chamber and you find out for yourself. I won the 2023 Royal Rumble. I punched my ticket. Michael Cole said it on commentary. He said, finish the story. Finish the story. Finish the story. I intend to finish my story. You need to finish yours. But just one more thing, Sammy. I don't wanna see you on Raw next Monday. Because I'd rather see you at WrestleMania.